Hello everyone and welcome to the CMO Stories podcast. Today it's a special bonus episode and we have a guest from Atlanta. Hi Justin, how are you doing? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> ah, excited to have you on my podcast, Justin. Let me, me first introduce you for our listeners. So guys, Justin, and let now I will try to pronounce your name correctly, Croxton. Correct. Yeah, that's Correct. good. That's good. Okay. Yep. As you know, English is not my first language. So guys, Justin is an Inc. 5000 entrepreneur. He helps enterprises implement cutting-edge lead gen solutions. He's a co-founder, a digital enthusiast like me, and he's also a father and a husband. <laughs> I have also two children, Justin. So great to have you. I will also uh, tell a bit about your business so I know that you are the managing partner of Propellant Media. That's the name mm -hmm. of your company. That and you oversee, yeah. And you are overseeing and partnering with your team in creating innovative and profit-driven marketing programs, including lead gen and geofencing marketing that can yes. drive engagement, search engine traffic, and most importantly, more revenue for brands and organizations. Mm -hmm. So geofencing, I haven't yet got guests on my podcast that's doing that. So I will definitely come back to that. But first, I know that you, you know, you built a great business, I think in, in five years or less, and you built your agency and you grow to eight figures. So before we dive into, you know, what you're really doing, I'd like to hear your story because that's very fascinating to me. Yeah. You know, I appreciate that, Yuri. I think you know, a couple things. We, we are certainly very fortunate. You know, I think a lot of times in life, some of it is hard work and then some of it's luck and then some of it's timing and just being in the right place at the right time. And so it was really back in 2015 to 17 when the agency was started but what we did was we tried to sort of pivot ourselves as sort of like an expert in the geofencing space. So we focused primarily on that and programmatic display in general. That coupled with some of the, our own inbound marketing that we did for ourselves is really what allowed us to grow, quite honestly. You know, there's, there, you know, we certainly do our own level of paid media. We also do a lot of organic SEO for ourselves. And on top of that, I'll tell you right now, you know, there's been a lot of software that we've um, uh, invested in. Mm -hmm. HubSpot is by far one of the best, for sure. You know, it's been able to take the power of like seven to eight people and I have it all automated where, you know, the time in which a lead comes in. Well, first of all, the site that we have really generates leads really well to the point where we're getting them through our marketing funnel you know, they're getting emails and we're getting booked appointments for our sales team that's getting handed off to our account management team and delivery and execution team. All that matters. And it's been a lot of different things that we've done. But between that and just the right investments and being a little lucky and some differentiation, we've been very, very fortunate. Yeah, you say luck, of course, but also hard work and having the right strategy to do the right things. That's also important. Totally. So what would you, okay, you had luck at the right moments, but what was like, is it was a kind of like a pivoting moment, an important moment when you started your business that, that changed a lot for you that like there was, accelerated? there was, you know, from about late 15, 16 was when the company was founded and for us and my partners, it was a lot of just blocking and tackling, having conversations with people about what we can and can't do from a digital advertising perspective. Like, hey, I can do paid search. I can do SEO. I can do Facebook advertising. I do all these different things. I can do geofencing. I do all these things for you. 
but we just weren't landing clients. It was a yeah. pain. And it was 2017 when we had an opportunity to restructure our, our website. We didn't really have a, a good site effectively. And so I was in the meeting with my partners and we see that I see the website and I am just like furious. I'm like livid because as you know, in digital advertising, there are 50,000 plus digital advertisers that run their own agencies. There's just dozens. I mean, tons and tons of agencies. <laughs> right. How can you expect to have a differentiated advantage when your site doesn't look as good, if not better than the rest of them that's out there. And so, you know, I don't have a web design background, but I took some partial WordPress experience that I did have. I had a developer, you know, up in New York to have a relationship with, created the wireframe for the website, redid the site and made it more of a content focused educational platform rather than it just being a thin site on who I am or who we are as a company and what we do. That was the pivotal moment. It was 2017. That coupled with some of the investments that we made in HubSpot and also our own inbound marketing is really what allows us to grow, you know, as an organization. Mm -hmm. um, and the rest is history. You know, that was the moment for us that we really started to see like, okay, we go from like 200,000 a year to a million and then 4 million and six and so forth. Yeah, exactly. Once you start growing, then of course, it's a matter of, of having the right structure, of course, to be right. able to keep on right. growing, right? Having right. the right people in your team. Mm -hmm. But like the website, that's, uh, as you say, that's it, very important. When I, you know, have new clients as a fractional CMO and I see that their website is not ready to convert clients, now then you can make so many ad campaigns as you want or even have a good strategy. But if it's not converting on your website, then, right. then, then you have a problem. You're using HubSpot, I hear. So that's also, it, it's an investment. But if you use it the right way, that can also be a good tool. Or, um, it's 100x you, for us. It is literally a 100x return for us. Right. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned geofencing. I know that some of the services that you're offering right now. Can you explain to our listeners what is geofencing actually and how does it make a difference? Yeah. What is different with other digital marketing sure. uh, solutions? Absolutely. So geofencing is the practice of serving ads to people in very precise areas. And through a lot of our platforms and our technology, we can build a virtual fence around a very specific location. The whole concept behind geofencing is that, you know, sometimes you don't want to target people within an entire city no. or just a zip code. Right. Sometimes you just want to target someone at a location. And the idea is that if you can like leverage someone's location and have that give you some insights into their intent to buy then you're reaching more people that fits within your target audience. And a great example is a car dealership. If you're a car dealership, you would want to geofence other car dealers. Why? Because those other car dealerships have people that are going to those car dealerships to buy a car yeah. or are in market looking to buy a car. And so I just want to reach people who are in market. Maybe I'm doing Google ads. Maybe I'm doing paid social. Maybe I'm doing some OTT, over-the-top connected TV advertising, some print, some radio, all these different things. But there are certain tactics that are a little bit more based on building brand awareness rather than reaching people who are in market. And so if you are using that tactic to reach people who are in market at other you know, locations, then, you know, that that's sort of one of the use cases. And part of the way it works is when someone walks inside of the geofence location, you know, from the virtual fence that we built, 
around those locations. It could be 10, 15, 20, however many locations. We're able to capture your mobile device ID and begin serving ads to you both while you're inside of the geofence and then for up to 30 days after you leave the geofence, essentially. And those people can see ads on mobile apps and websites. So if you think about Angry Birds, Words with Friends, The Weather Channel, Wall Street Journal, Huffington Post, Daily Mail, um, you know, the sky's the limit in terms of the practical use cases of geofencing. There's a lot of different industries that's great in. There's a few that's not as great in. Like I want to use it for e-commerce, you know, quite honestly. There's a few others that I would probably wouldn't recommend it for. But, you know, that's what we use as sort of our differentiator for propelling, even though we do, you know, paid social, paid search, you know, a few other things. That's really what we led with. And that's kind of been our go-to-market strategy as, as an agency. We have a, a developer. They're a regional developer. They have developments all around the northeast, if I'm not mistaken. And in one of their locales, they wanted us to geofence about 15 to 20 other communities that were under construction that were their competitors, essentially. So we go into our platform. We build virtual fences using our sort of custom polygon system. And we're building virtual fences around those communities. Now, the, co- the idea, again is that if you have a community that's under construction, you are effectively reaching people who are driving to these places looking for a home. If I'm driving there, maybe I'm doing some window watching, but I'm really driving there too because I'm in market considering or looking to buy a house. And you know, people that are buying a home aren't spending just a thousand, they're spending 300, 400, 500, a million dollars on a home. So you know, the ability to ensure you're getting in front of these people that are in market and then trying to drive that competitor traffic back to your to your location is great. And then the, the funny thing is that we can also measure foot traffic back to our clients' locations, what we call conversion zone tracking. So people who have either seen or clicked on your ads and they came back to your to your location, we can at least provide some level of attribution across those campaigns. The same thing holds true with car dealerships. I can tell a client, hey, these are the seven car dealerships that in which someone went to, saw your ad, and then came back to your physical location, essentially. So that's just another use case. I mean, there's m- many other different examples in you know, healthcare and you know, you know, other like quick service, food, you know, retail, all those types of things. But really, the sky is the limit in terms of what's, what's possible. Right. That's how you make the difference. Um, and do you have an example of geofencing for from one of your clients that you can share? Yeah, there, there's been some impact because you do have to have your location services on your mobile device turned on, but it's been marginal, 10% impact if that, um, maybe 15% if that, but there's still a lot of people that you have to have your location services on a number of mobile apps and then the phone itself to, to get a, really get the full use out of it. So it's not having the impact that people thought it was going to have. Like it wasn't going to be as detrimental that we thought. Um, it's some areas, but it's not that bad. I mean, we have clients that need our assistance on creative ads too. And we do that from time to time as well, for sure. Um, I think to your point, there's three things that matter. It's the audience. You know, who are you targeting? Where are you saying to them when you show up? And then where are you yeah. sending them to effectively? Yeah. So the message definitely does have an impact and absolutely matters for sure. And so we do have those conversations with clients, whether you, you know, want to use a promotional language or have two ads that you're going to split test, those kinds of things. We do have those discussion uh, points with clients from time to time. Seems really powerful. And now there is a trend that we are getting less and less data as marketers 
for instance, uh, Google Analytics doesn't show any everything. Also, yeah. iOS, you know, stops us uh, from getting certain data. Another topic to discuss is GDPR. Does that have an impact on you or are more most of your clients in the U.S.? Most of our clients are in the U.S. Um, I'd say that, you know, there's been GDPR has had an impact. And I think part of it, too, is that a lot of the servers that we that we tap into across our platforms are based in the U.S. I mean, we tap networks around the globe. Right. But the mobile apps, you have to remember, is the mobile apps and the websites that people are going to. That's also part of the equation as well. And so we don't usually I mean, we see some delivery, but we don't see as much as we do as we do in the United States, effectively. United States, Canada are the two big ones. You know, some of, um, you know, some of Mexico, we've done campaigns across overseas, but it's more, you'd have to like, kind of test and see, you know, the overall impact um, and see if you're able to get some level of delivery more is what I would suggest. Justin, you seem like a, a person who is really busy. So how are you keeping up with the latest evolutions Are you reading a lot? Are you in masterminds? Yeah, well, I'm definitely part of a couple masterminds for sure. I have a couple guys that, you know, some guys that also run seven, eight figure agencies as well. So I definitely keep in contact with them on just the latest and greatest. I definitely read up as well on, I have like my own newsfeed from different sources that kind of sends me stuff to my inbox, you know, and I just kind of do a quick peruse. Oh, okay, I didn't know about that in Google. Let me check on that and see what's going on there. And then, You also have to remember, and I think this is an important point for a lot of folks, is if from a practical execution perspective, you're not using your site or your business as, you know, sort of a testing ground for what may be new or what's trending, then you, you don't give yourself a chance to see if it's actually having an impact. I mean, at the very least, in propellant, we can practice what we, we practice, what we preach. Right. And so I can tell someone like, yeah, this is kind of the new thing. Like just for example, when Google ads came out with performance max, Everybody was like, oh, Performance Max is going to be great. It's going to be this greatest thing. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And Performance Max is really nothing more than being able to, you know, sort of, it's kind of like the, the old AdWords Express, but it's at the campaign form. Um, and I'm not saying it's not a bad campaign. We still do a little bit of it, but we still see the traditional search campaigns doing well, the traditional remarketing site retargeting campaigns doing well. Whereas performance max campaigns, you're, you know, putting your ads, you know, your key, you know, maybe a couple topics and the system is just finding the audience versus really going after the keywords that people are searching for uh, per se. And so, you know, we wouldn't have really known that and then be able to provide that level of counsel to a client if we weren't testing it for ourselves, let alone test versus testing it automatically for all of our clients that we work with. Testing and measuring are both very important. Are you using Google Analytics or a GA4? Yeah, we use, um, we're, we've been migrating many of our clients over to uh, GA4. Um, we still use Google Analytics as well. Um, but we, we also like to do like sort of some direct measurements. So we'll use Google Tag Manager to input like, now we're getting into a different conversation, but using Google Tag Manager to implement the conversion tags directly to what's firing Um, whether it be at the server level or at the site level for a client. When I do an audit or when our team does an audit for um, paid search or even paid social, the very first thing that we look at is conversion tracking. We want to see if a client is tracking conversions, whether it's phone calls or form submissions or other critical actions on the site. 
because that drives everything. Like if, if, if a client says that, hey, I'm trying to drive leads, but you're not measuring how the system is driving leads, then that's like the first thing that I tell everybody to start doing so you can have better data to measure overall performance uh, across your campaigns, um, particularly when we do audits in, in those two areas of paid search and paid social effectively. So you're absolutely right from that standpoint. It really depends on the client. We have some clients that care about walk-ins, walk-in foot traffic. So that's where geofencing comes in because we can measure walk-in foot traffic. I mean, you can, you can, you kind of can actually still measure walk-ins with Google ads. It's just more so using someone's uh, location extensions you know, from someone that did a search and then, you know, did the search on their phone, they tied it into Google Maps and they went to the location, that kind of thing. But it really depends on the client because some people want to measure phone calls. So that becomes the most important KPI. And we build campaigns specifically around trying to drive calls, whereas some people want to drive form submissions or booked appointments. You know, I mean, if the key is I need to drive revenue and sales and leads, then those are the areas that I'll focus on on top of like, you know, Google Shopping Network or, you know, a catalog campaign, you know, on the e-commerce side for, you know, on the Facebook side. Um, but it just really depends on the client and what they're trying to solve for. You know, I think we will still lead with geofencing and programmatic display over the top connected TV advertising. That's what we'll lead with. You know, I'm sort of the type that feels like, you know, strategy can't just be a five-year thing. It has to be, you know, every three months you know, effectively. And, you know, leading with this strategy has worked well for us. We've been able to micro focus on something that we're really good in. You know, we don't, not every campaign, you know, we hit it out of the park, but I do feel like we're some of the best, we're one of the best platforms in comparison to many of our competitors in the geofencing programmatic space, at the very least, number one. But we'll still continue to provide omni-channel advertising solutions. We use the geofencing sort of to like cultivate those relationships, you know, with brands that are interested and folks know that they find out, oh, you do all these other things. Okay, great. And we expand those relationships accordingly. But I think as a firm, we'll continue to do that. We're starting to do more data reconciliation and helping clients do better measurement tracking, you know, through their data. So being able to tie revenues all the way back, like actual hard revenues and like student applications, things of that nature, all the way back to like the source that it came right. from. You know, we've been doing that for some time as well and trying to lead with that because those are some bigger enterprise um, problems that folks are trying to solve for um, so they can do a better job with uh, attribution across their media spend. I think the offline stuff is, is a little bit more challenging. I mean, you can do brand impact studies to see what overall lift you may have gotten. Um, but we're still talking about, I mean, we're still in this case talking about you know, online media, like over the top connected TV advertising, Google ads, Facebook, things of that nature, essentially. As I already said, I think that you are a busy guy. Do you have time to be active on social media? Yeah, we have our team handle a lot of that stuff. I'm, I'm relatively active, but, you know, I'm more, you know, how do I say this? Like as a CEO of the company, I still like to have my hands in a few campaigns just to kind of keep me sharp you know, keep me, you know, ensure that I'm like on top of what's going on, sort of latest and greatest trends. But, you know, for me, I'm more just, you know, trying to steer the ship and uh, provide the best strategy for, <laughs> for both clients to an extent, but also the entire organization. Now, folks can go to propellant.media, uh, www.propellant.media. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn, uh, Justin Croxton, C-R-O-X-T-O-N. And those are probably the two best places to find myself um, more than anything else. And, 
you know, I know, you know, I just want to add just if you don't mind, I do want to provide, you know, one last point that I did want to make. You know, I, you know, I know this is uh, really around marketing and, you know, there's a lot of CMOs out there, you know, fractional CMOs, you know, for those agency owners, though, man, you've got to practice what you preach. You can't just be out here, you know, doing marketing for for all these clients and you're not doing it for yourself. Right. Like you can't sit here and say, oh, I'm going to do marketing for you. I've done it for all these clients and I'm not even practicing what I what I preach. You can't have you know, I'm going to do this beautiful website for you, but your site is thin on content, talks about a few of your services with nothing deep that adds value. And a lot of things that I tell folks, agency owners, but because we have an entire white label program, we actually white label to over 700, 800 agencies, and we work with direct brands too. And a lot of times I, I talk to folks, I say, man, if you just come from the place for your site and then everything that you provide brands, if you focus on how you bring value before people become a customer or a client, you're going to win more business. More people are going to connect with you. You're going to put yourself in a better position for success. I'm saying that to the agency owner. I'm also saying it to the CMO out there that's working on behalf of a brand. And you're like, all right, well, how do I get this brand to be able to cut through the noise of all the other competitors that those customers are considering? And if you come from the place of value before value before customer, when they land on your site, you're going to give yourselves many, many more opportunities for success. And that's kind of how we've done it for ourselves at Propellant. I think that's how a lot of brands that have been successful have been able to do it outside of just having a cool brand with a cool product and a cool service. You, know, you got to bring people in and find ways to, to you know, leverage that sort of mantra, if you will. So that's my, that's my diatribe. That's my two cents for everyone that's out there. Wow. That's a strong message. Right. As I always say, you should not marry on the first date. You see all those people that send direct sales messages on in the DMs, on LinkedIn and so on. That's not what you should do. Right. Justin, it was a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Yuri. Absolutely. This is fun. I really do appreciate it. So guys, if you got some value out of this episode with Justin, be sure to tell all your friends about it, your colleagues, other entrepreneurs. And uh, of course, if you are not following my podcast yet, be sure to hit the subscribe button. And of course, I would like to see you in the next podcast episode. Bye.